So we are in this series. Come on up, Karen. We're in this series. There's one. And we're going to do things a little different this morning. Uh, I'm going to invite my friend Karen up here. Uh, as she makes her way up here, I want to share with you. I've known Karen for, I think, 15 years. 16, oh yeah, since Colby was born. Man, it's been 16 years. So I was a young uh, youth pastor across town at a Presbyterian church. It was my first time ever even attending a Presbyterian church. Um, but I was a youth pastor there, and Karen uh, lived out here with her grandkids. And she would drive her grandkids uh, from Sutton Valley all the way across town to Cordata area, back where the, behind where the old Costco used to be. And she would bring them there, and then she would sit in the foyer, 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 for whatever, whatever. yep, whatever. And uh, she would pray for the, my youth group, and before she even met me, she would pray for me. She would pray for my wife, and she held all of our babies until they were probably old enough to walk, and, uh, and uh, that started a relationship. And then there was a little bit of a break there where I uh, resigned from my position there, was working at Costco, and then God laid it on my heart to plant a church out here in Sutton Valley. And Karen was uh, still living out here and instrumental in uh, kind of getting our children's ministry going. And, um, and she, uh, she got deemed the name many years ago, Surfer Grandma. So we did a, a vacation Bible school that was beach themed. And she taught lessons and she like, I think you did like some dance. Do you want to do it up here? You can do it. We could dance together. No. Uh, but... Since then, I have not shook the name, and I refer to her as uh, Surfer Grandma, and uh, she continues to love our kids downstairs in children's ministry, and, uh, and then, so my question for her is, what are you doing up here? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm up here. You got to oh, speak into the mic microphone. They want to hear you oh, online, too. Can you hear me without this thing? But the people online Hello. can't. There oh, we go. Oh, the people online. There okay, you go. sorry. Okay. Technology, Karen. Okay, why am I up here? <laughs> I'm up here because my husband passed away 20 years ago. And no, not 20 years ago. Oh, God. No. How long has it been? 20 months ago? <laughs> All right, let's start over, shall we? <laughs> you are confusing me. Okay. okay. My fault. It's on me. <laughs> okay. No, um, yes, I worked with Heather in starting out the children's program here. And I want everyone to know that I, I do not work by myself well. I work with someone always. I, I worked with the Bible. I started, I was a director also of the, of the um, church in, in College Place Presbyterian. And I had the time of my life there doing that. But I work with someone, and that someone is Heather in this church. So, and I don't think she's ever gotten the proper... Yeah, I'm way off base. I'm not even talking. No, you're about fine. Go. It's your show. It's your show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I, I think, Heather, would you stand up, please? Oh, jeez. This is not scripted. Stand up. All right, so I'll take, I'll take over the story. Karen last Sunday said, hey, do you want me to speak on Easter? And I said, what? It's one week away. But Karen has never asked before. And I was like... Without, you know, my initial response was no. And then I thought for a second, I was like, wait a second. She's never asked to do that before. I wonder what's up. And so we took a, we took a couple days. I told her to pray about it, and I pray about it. And we took a couple days to determine. And then we met at the mailbox. 
she was out at the mailbox, and I, God had laid it on my heart, so I ran across the street to the mailbox. And, and then we started finishing each other's sentences on what, we, what I wanted to convey on Easter and what she wanted to convey on Easter. Uh, and you talked about your husband. Why don't you just tell us just the recent, uh, recent history of Paul and, and what's happened for the last two years. Okay. He died in 2020. That's what I meant to say and didn't say. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. He died in 2020. And um, he left a big hole in my life. He left a big hole. But what I've found is that God has filled that hole <laughs> with himself. Um, Jason wanted me to say that, God, that Paul was my rock, but Paul was not my rock. God was my rock. Yes, I am. <laughs> Sunday school answers. <laughs> yes. God was my rock, and he was also my husband's rock. But I sort of had a, an experience that I really felt was, should be shared at resurrection time. And although I was with family when he died, and we all had a memorial there in Walla Walla, it, there was no church memorial. There was no memorial for his friends. And I thought, okay, resurrection of Paul Fredericks happened, and I want the people to know about it. And um, I want to tell you about it. So that's it. Yeah. And so you had uh, a, a moment with, with, within his passing where you, uh, where you uh, felt God's presence. Uh, can you tell us about that? Okay, that, that's what I'm coming to right yeah. now. Okay, number one, when I became a Christian, I was 20 years old and I'm 81 now. So when I became a Christian, I knelt down by my bed and I said, God, I want to become a Christian. I don't know if I am one or not, but I want truth. And I asked God for truth. And immediately he, he taught me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so I only give off his word, and I only give off, and I only believe he is truth. I don't believe my family's truth. I don't believe the, my friends always tell the truth. I don't, you know, you're, you're all sinners. I'm a sinner. So, right. But the word of God gives off truth. And so that is what I taught your children. And so when I, when Paul was dying, it was about, they had said that he was going to die, and uh, it was about four hours away from the time when he actually would, but he always read a devotional, and um, it was the Daily Bread devotional, a very simple one, and so I picked up the devotional for that day, and I was all alone with him in that room, and I started to read it to him, and now I've lost it. <laughs> Technology. Here we go. Okay, we'll get it. We'll get it. Here we go. Okay. There we go. Okay. And uh, as I sat there reading it to it, it, it was absolutely just like God was talking to me. Okay, and now you're going to see me get excited because I love this. I absolutely love this. I'm standing up. Do you okay. want me to hold this for you? Yeah. There you go. And he has raised up for his people a horn. And at that time, I didn't know exactly what a horn was, but I went, ran home, and I looked it up. And a horn means his strength. And I, I read that again, and it said, and he has raised up for his people a strength. And it also means victory. And so to me, that was, he was, God was telling me, I have raised up Paul for the people, that would be Paul, a strength, a victory, the praise of all his faithful servants. He was telling me that he was praising Paul for being faithful. And then he said, the people close to his heart, 
He not only was a faithful servant, he was close to his heart. So God was telling me, and it was just, it was beyond me, I couldn't believe it, that my husband was resurrected before he died. This was about four hours before he died. And he was telling me that he'd raised up a victory. He'd raised up a horn. He'd raised up a strength so that he, because Paul was totally, um, he died of a brain hemorrhage. And so he, he was totally in a coma. That he had raised up this man um, and that this man was faithful and that, <laughs> that he was close to his heart. So what that said to me was, everything that the Bible also has said is true, is that you don't see that. You see the face of God. You see the heart of God. You see, you know, and that's what he was saying to me, was, Karen, I want you to look at me. I'm going to fill this emptiness in you that you're going to feel, and, but I want you to remember him, and I want to have memories of you, and they're going to point to me. And I'm going to give a memory here. Yeah, that's off base, too. Off you know. script. Off script, okay. <laughs> you got 20 seconds. Okay, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. <laughs> okay. There is, um, it, there's, there's also, when, when he gave me back the memory, there was two other women that my husband went with in college before he met me. And one was a prom queen, and the other one was the top 10 senior to graduate in 1960 at the, at the college. And who was I? I was a pig farmer's daughter. That's right, my husband, my, my, my father was a pig farmer's. And Paul chose me. <laughs> and it was just like, and after I cried a little bit about that, it was like God said, and that's what I'm like, Karen. I don't choose the most intellectual. I don't choose the most beautiful. I choose the people who will choose me. And so, yes, so that, that was, that's one instance of where the memory simply pointed to Christ. It pointed to his word, what his word teaches, that he chooses the humble. He chooses those who the world doesn't choose. Yeah, amen. Amen. I uh, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, asked Karen because he, she, she did communicate that, uh, that one, she recognized Paul's presence with God. And honestly, I want to tell you, Karen, over the last two years since 2020, I've seen the most growth in your spiritual life since I've known you. And that's amazing to me to, uh, to have a situation in your life like hardship, like loss, like pain, and yet still see God's glory in it. And so, thank you for that. Um, and and I asked Karen to share because, I mean, Paul's death for Karen brought new life and new understanding of God and, 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 and a new uh, way to view him and see God uh, through that relationship. And so, uh, and that loss even. Uh, and I myself haven't really lost a very close family member. I haven't lost, uh, my parents are still alive and kicking it. I haven't lost a close friend. I haven't lost a sibling. I haven't, I haven't lost people. So it's, uh, so it's, it's hard to relate, but undoubtedly, eventually, it's going to happen. And, uh, and, and, and what the story of Easter is that we celebrate is this story of death that brings life. 
And in Karen's case, a death that brought new understanding and new, uh, a, a, a new way of viewing God and seeing God. And for what we celebrate on Easter, death brought life, brought resurrecting life. Uh, the most unlikely of circumstances in the history of the world um, changed the course of all humanity. That we would, uh, we would uh, base our calendars on it 2,000 years later still A.D. and B.C. And uh, the tomb that was empty uh, that day is still empty this morning for us. And that power, that ability, uh, it, it, that uh, resurrecting power, that life-giving power is as accessible to us today as it was then and as it is in Karen's life and as we begin to understand that. The same power that 1,400 or so years before Jesus' birth, they would have the first Passover. And that first Passover would be a time where families huddled in their houses and, and had uh, sacrificial lambs in there, and they would, they would uh, put blood over the doorpost so that, the, that death would pass over them. And that they would be, uh, sacri they would be uh, passed over. And from then on, the people would gather every single year since that first Passover. For 1,400 years, they would gather to remember that hope, to remember that power, right? And they would gather year after year after year. And they would gather for that Passover. They would still sacrifice. They would still share in a meal. They would still be relational, and for 1,400 years, they would remind themselves of that promise. And that each year, every year, they would hold up a cup. And they would, uh, they would drink that cup so that they would remember the promises that God had given them that one day he would send another lamb, another sacrifice for them so that they may enter into that relationship, that power, that presence. And for some 1,400 years, as they did that over and over, 1,400 years later, in some change, there would be mention of a man, a person, rumbling of a person, the teaching of a rabbi, rumors of healings. There would be uh, deliverances and miracles, and there would be crowds gathering. They would go city to city, and not only Jesus would not only enter the synagogues, but he would also teach in the streets to anybody and everybody that was willing to listen. And people would hang on his every word. There would be one that people would talk about that actually could control the weather, that would speak obedience into the wind. And the wind would obey. This morning at sunrise service, Price and I got down there about 7.20, 7.30. It was cold, cloudy, cold. Think about third or fourth strum of the first song, blue skies, sun, and God's just showing off. Right? There was rumblings of a God that, a guy that, uh, that could uh, bring people who couldn't walk to their feet, that would unchain those that were chained in, uh, in, 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 in demons. There was uh, talk of uh, a, a man that could uh, decloud the eyes and, and heal blind people. One that would speak and people would listen. And so the streets for that year were. As, as Jesus rode into town, the streets were packed. The city was packed. And Jesus and his disciples had gathered in this room 
And we looked at it last week. We would have, uh, he would have already predicted his death to his disciples that had gathered in that upper room on that Monday, or that Monday Thursday. And yet as they gathered in the room, I think there was uncertainty and, and they were unsure of what the weight of that, of what was going to happen, what, what the weight of that actually was. And that Jesus uh, knelt down and he washed each one of the disciples' feet, serving them, including Judas, who would betray him. He looked into Judas's eyes, full well knowing what was going to go down, and he washed and invested in the relationship with Judas. And Judas would get up and leave, foretelling the betrayal that was set in motion, that confirming that uh, the Jesus' words to his disciples that one of you is going to betray me, and he, all of them were like, no, not us, confirming that that actually was going to happen. And suddenly the significance of what was going on that week grew. And I think uh, the, tension, uh, the tension in the room and, and what was going on uh, all grew, and they began to realize, the disciples began to realize what was set in motion. And Jesus, sense, sensing the distraction and, and maybe the tension in the moment, uh, started teaching them. John records it best in his gospel. John records it best in, as, as, as he teaches through what is, I like to call Jesus' kind of final words that he shares with his disciples while he's here in ministry on earth. There's a handful of chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those five chapters in John uh, record those final words. Those are the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are the Gospels. Uh, and they're the stories of Jesus' life here on earth. Uh, but John records it, and uh, he really gives this final last words in, in, in teachings, at least audibly. Uh, and Jesus continues to teach this new meaning, and, and it, it has actually the most for uh, five chapters, the most red letters. The red letters we call, those are Jesus' words. Those are actually like quotes of what Jesus said. The red letters, there's the most in one section in those, those chapters. And in those, in those chapters, uh, there's very, very little about his death. Very little about his death. Most all of them are focused on his life and the life that is offered through him. All those chapters. I encourage you to read it. Uh, go home and read it. You won't have time here. Uh, or you, and for now, you just got to take my word on it. But those chapters are full of his life and what his offer is. Comfort, further understanding, hope, uh, uh, glory, right? John 13, 31 through 32 says this. When he was gone, Jesus says, and this is like when Judas left the room, so set everything in motion. When Jesus left the room, says, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son himself and, uh, and, and will glor glorify him at once. So that the betrayal would ultimately lead to the death, would ultimately lead to his arrest and his uh, hanging on a cross. Like, those words basically signify that that would bring God's glory. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's at least for the disciples, if you think about them, that's a stretch. The, the best friend that they had hung out with for three years died. 
But that ultimately, it's recorded that that is going to bring God's glory. We know the rest of the story, so we know that that is what happens. John 14, 1 through 6, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In the Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, uh, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going to go to. See, this talks about that lamb that continued, that offered of sacrifice that Jesus um, was, going to, was going to take on. And Jesus says, you can't go with me now yet, but there will be a time for you. That one, there would be restoration and that there would be resurrection, that there would be relational connection through this, through what is about to happen. That one, like the blood and the cup, it would bring hope and it would bring purpose and it would bring meaning and it would bring reconciliation. It would bring life. That he would, that his death would bring further meaning, would bring an understanding. But it wouldn't be his death that, 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 that John actually would focus on, that Jesus would focus on in his teaching, but that it'd be what it would produce, the most meaning and the most understanding, the most life-giving thing that could happen. In Romans 5, it says, while we were yet still sinners... Christ died for us. You probably, if you've been around church at all, you've probably heard that. While you were yet still sinners, Christ died for you. So as we continue to sin, as Karen said, as we continue to mess up and all that kind of stuff, we are forgiven. And that's often, you know, the greatest news for me. A guy like me, maybe you can relate to me, where I often fall short and I often miss the mark way more than I hit it. And uh, to know that because, even in that, I'm still forgiven. But if you look just past that verse in Romans 5, it, it says, but yet still, or it says, actually, it says, uh, but even more so, Christ dying for our sins while we were still seeing, but even more so, how much will his life produce life for us? If his death, if in his death we are forgiven, how much more in his defeat of the death, the empty tomb, will it bring life? And Jesus would tell of the counsel of his Holy Spirit and sending his spirit to be with us. And the famous lesson of the vine and the branches, where if I'm the vine, I'm the, I'm the vine you are the branches, you abide in me, like stay in me. I'm going to send my spirit, and actually my spirit is going to live in you. If you remain in communication, if you remain in relationship with me, you will produce much fruit. You will produce much life. That even in the tough situations and even in the hardship and even in the, the falling short, life can be produced. And even in specifically in some of the toughest of instances in our lives. The feeling of loss and the feeling of betrayal, the feeling of hardship, the feeling of um, whatever it may be for you. Yet still there can be joy in life found in the one who gave it up so that you may have that life. We often associate loss and grief and pain and hardship as like a not, it's not a loving action. Like if we're in that, we're like, that's not 
fun? How could a God who ultimately loves us, it's a big question, how could a God that ultimately loves us have us go through that? And in not every case it is to produce the love, but what always can be produced is that uh, meaning and purpose that we can find when we give that up to him. Jesus, throughout his ministry on earth, cared for a lot of people. He, uh, my favorite story in the Bible is when he, uh, when he uh, restores the, the man who's bound up in the graveyard, and he, and he calls the demon legions out of him, and then he walks upright. But Jesus healed uh, a, a, a guy on a rug and made it so he could walk. Jesus healed blind Bart, uh, made it so he could see. Jesus, uh, you know, uh, cast demons out of a young boy for a dad. Like, like, Jesus did all those things. And those are all amazing stories of that power. And in most all of those stories, Jesus actually says, your sins are forgiven as part of those stories. And as Jesus did all those things in Scripture— uh, he, he did those so we could read them on the pages and know his truth and understand who he is. But he also did them so that we could be a part of that story. That ultimately he would desire for our life to be that. A restorative, reconciliation, resurrected life, like produce life on life on life. See, church, for us, it's as we gather and as we focus on, on him, as we abide in him, we get to understand more about this death and, 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 and what happened on Good Friday as well as the resurrection and the empty tomb on Easter Sunday and just how amazing that is. But that John, John actually says in 14 that, uh, that uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And that's a pretty big claim, but it's true. That what he did for all of humanity is the only way. That his life paid the price for all. That, 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 is what the, that is what made the difference. That was for all, offered to all freely. His, his life on the cross given for each one of us displays God's love. Right? It, it, it actually claims that his perfect sacrifice... Uh, it, 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 it displays God's love in that he claims to be God. But the empty tomb proves that he's God. The empty tomb is the offer of the life that proves in us and through Christ and, 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 and what we see in Scripture proves that he is true. We, can, we can't choose Jesus' death. Jesus' death for humanity happened. Right? That happened for everybody whether you believe it or not. But what we do get to choose is whether or not it's true for me in you. Whether or not you want to apply that to your life and, and step into that relationship with him and allow it to change your life, allow it to change the outlook you have on life. In, in, in all, most of the year, unfortunately, even I'll just say it, even me, I'll talk about forgiveness all day long because I need it. And you need it, and we all need it. And yeah, on Easter, we talk about the empty tomb, but I don't know that we ever really looked at the significance of the empty tomb. We need to do it more and more, more, and more because that's the life that we're given. 
that death, that loss, that sacrifice, that hardship can still have a desired outcome of life. That Jesus' sacrifice does that. It brings growth and meaning and understanding and purpose and joy. And my question for us this morning is, do we believe that? Are we living in that truth? Are you living in understanding that truth this morning? We all have times in our lives where we felt loss in, 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 our, in, our, in our hardship. Like, like Karen, you may be dealing with loss in your life. Or you may be dealing with, uh, with the past few years, a lot less hope in life. You might not have the hope you once had. Or maybe with everything that we've got going on, you think, man, peace and understanding is so far off. I can't even find peace and understanding with whatever is going on in this life. And what we celebrate on Easter is the defeat of all that, the defeat of our sin, the defeat of uncertainty, the defeat of uh, loss and sorrow, the defeat of, uh, of uh, complacency, the defeat of laziness, the defeat of whatever it may be, because ultimately his life, death, and resurrection produces the life that he desires for us wherever we're at and the life he invites us into. We celebrate on Easter God's defeat of that, of everything that defines us, monopolizes us, paralyzes us, breaks us down. It's the defeat of all of that. Jesus' death on the cross, cross breaks us free from it. The empty tomb distances us from it. The empty tomb distances, distances us, us from that life and his desires for us. The empty tomb is what changes our lives. That power of, uh, of his spirit living in us and directing us that power is the power we have access to. That power is what changes our marriages, changes our parenting, changes our work ethic, changes our focus, changes our ability to thrive. That is the power we have access to. Power over chaos that brings peace. That power over sorrow that brings joy. That power over loss that brings meaning and growth. That power over cynicism that brings trust. The power over hurt and pain that brings healing. The power over uncertainty that brings great meaning. The power over being stuck in life that brings change. The cross displays the love for us. The empty tomb brings us and leads us into that life and brings purpose to it all. The cross is for all of us. The empty tomb brings meaning to it all. It brings meaning to, the empty tomb brings meaning to everything in our life. It gives meaning to uh, 1,400 years before Jesus' birth, that first Passover. It gives meaning to Christmas. We celebrate Christmas without uh, Jesus' life, death in the empty tomb and resurrection. Christmas doesn't mean what it means. It, the empty tomb brings meaning to uh, Jesus' ministry on earth, Jesus' life on earth. Uh, the empty tomb brings meaning to the three years and all the teachings that he taught with the disciples. 
The empty tomb brings meaning to you and to me right now, today. Easter Sunday, sun shining bright. It brings meaning to your life as we step into that. But not only that, it actually brings meaning and purpose for tomorrow and for the next day, for Monday afternoon and Wednesday when we're lazy and feeling like we just want the week to be over. It brings meaning to it all. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're all searching for that. The meaning and purpose of the creator of it all who sent his son to live for us, to live that perfect life, to sacrifice himself for it, but also to defeat the grave and send his spirit so that we may live through everything that we're facing. And so this morning, Easter Sunday, sunshine and bright, I want to offer that to you this morning. I want to offer you the opportunity, whether it's the first time, the second time, the 15th time, or the 100th time that you've prayed to accept that meaning and purpose in your life, I want to offer that to you this morning. It'd be a miss if I didn't. And so I'm going to ask the band to come up, and I'm going to pray for us. In the middle of prayer, I'm going to just pray a simple prayer. And if you want to pray it in your own words or pray it with me, you're more than welcome to. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this Easter. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. Lord, we thank you for the truth that is in your word and the life that you live for each one of us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that it's your desire that actually you pursue us for deep and meaningful relationship. Lord, that it is your desire to meet with us right now, Easter Sunday, and on into the week, Lord. Lord, we thank you that it is your plan for each one of us to have incredible meaning and purpose, purpose given in the truth of your word and in, 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 in the living of your spirit within us, Lord. A truth that when we, when we operate in it, it is just so sweet. Thank you that we have access to that, Lord. Lord, so this morning I want to pray a prayer to accept that. It's a simple prayer, and if you guys want to pray in your own words or pray with me, uh, you can. It goes like this, Lord, I admit that oftentimes I get it wrong. Oftentimes I actually just do what I want to do because it seems easier. And maybe even more times than not, um, Lord, I admit that it isn't necessarily what you have for me, Lord. Well, not even necessarily. I just know it's not what you desire, Lord. Lord, but I believe right now that it is, it, is, it is through your life, death, and resurrection, I believe that through that, I have access to the life that you desire for me. A life and a creator that has uh, all meaning and all purpose and desires for me to know and understand that and walk in that way. 
I believe that that you reconcile, you restore, you're the God of restoration and healing and purpose and meaning and power, Lord, and and I desire that. So this morning, I commit my life to you. I commit all that I am and desire for you to speak and, and, and have your way in my life this morning. Lord, I commit everything that I am to you. I want to do something real quick with everybody.